To answer is human, to question is divine. Welcome to the world of the Hidden Gateway, an exhilarating podcast exploring the concepts humans have been struggling with since the dawn of existence, such as, who are we? Is there such a thing as good and evil, or are they arbitrary constructs? Does the paranormal exist? How can we evolve to a higher state? Can our mind influence what we term as reality? Providing a transcendental approach combined with hard-nosed humanistic analysis, we invite you on a journey to question your worldview in this theater of life. Join our host, Justin Williams, as he explores the outer realms of faith, the supernatural, human potential, and even our concepts of the universal creator with a fascinating array of guests. This is the unseen world, magical, mysterious, and mystical, where your only limitation is your imagination. This is The Hidden Gateway. Welcome back to another episode of the Hidden Gateway Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Justin Williams. Today's guest is Dr. David Marquis. Dr. Marcus is skilled in the functional medicine approach to evolution of care of complex and chronic health concerns. He has a focused interest in neodegenerative and neodevelopmental conditions, including autism spectrum, TBI, Parkinson tremors, dementia, Alzheimer's, and CTE. And he also has 25 years of experience supporting patients with common met- metabolic conditions, including endocrine-related disorders of thyroid, diabetes, and sex hormone imbalances. Dr. Marquis continuously advances his knowledge in functional medicine and functional neurology with over 100 hours annually of postdoctorate education. He is also an accomplished speaker, public speaker, and writer as well as a recurring guest lecturer. Dr. Marquis, welcome to the Hidden Gateway Podcast. How are you doing, my friend? Thanks for having me here. All right. Hey, like I told you before we hit record here, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've been looking forward to our to our chat. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about a topic today that I've talked about several times here on the show that our audience definitely loves. Always get great feedback when we talk about COVID-19 as well as the vaccines. And as I told you, I, I've learned of you several weeks back, watching your videos, your content online. And I tell you what, you are a very, very intelligent person with a lot of great information to share to the masses. So I'm really looking forward to our chat. So um, I guess my first question for you, Dr. Marquis, is when did you become aware of all the issues with the vaccine? Mm. Almost immediately. If you go back to 2019 in... August, I believe it was when Johns Hopkins had that practice run and they televised it. It was on C-SPAN. I don't know why that came on my radar, but I actually watched clips of that. And I thought, that's really weird that these guys are practicing in detail something this specific. And that just kind of logged into my brain. And then in December, when we started to hear about some new outbreaks of of a virus, I thought, well, that's weird. That has the exact same name as what they were talking about in Johns Hopkins at their trials. Hmm. And then in our community in late December 2019, we had just a volume of people coming through the office with a really nasty presentation of what looked like something viral that most of my colleagues and myself hadn't really seen before. And that extended all the way through February. And I was I was expanding my office at the time. And, and literally the week that the country shut down was the week I opened my new office. And I had this volume of people that I'd then been treating from December, January through February that were battling really nasty viral symptoms. Most people were coming through it just fine. We started to... I learned a little bit more about the longevity of this thing. And I started to see, wow, there's actually other properties to this that don't truly fit 
specifically a viral presentation. It has a tendency to go bacterial pretty quickly. And there's even a component that if you do blood labs, you'll see an eosinophilic side to it, which would indicate that there's a potential parasitic aspect to this thing. Wow. And I thought, wow, this is a really nasty bug. And these people are really getting knocked out. So about that time, I had a couple of colleagues when when they were talking about flattening the curve that actually reached out to me and said, are you going to close your office? And I'm like, no, this is where we're supposed to shine. We're supposed to be helping people right now. Love it. And I said, I've just been reading everything that I can from any country about other doctors that are seeing similar cases. And I shared what I I had seen about N-acetylcysteine, the use of some of the proteolytic enzymes, obviously vitamin D and glutathione. And I said, here's what I know that we can do because I've already had a handful of really, really sick people. I didn't have any means to test them for COVID, but I knew that it was working. They were getting better and moving on. And then we flash forward throughout that year and we start seeing that oh, they're actually going to prepare a virus. Uh, uh, <laughs> I even hate to say the word a vaccine. I, I hate to say that because it's not a vaccine. Right, uh, but right. We're, we're, we're going to mass produce this vaccine and it's going to stop everything really quickly. And I'm like, mass produce a vaccine. There's never been a vaccine that has been mass produced quickly And when they're talking about mRNA vaccines, I had a little bit of knowledge about the ones that they had tried on the West Coast of Africa and in the Philippines and in some of the Indian communities. And I said, none of those have been successful. And they're going to mass produce this thing quickly and disseminate it on the public. And, And that's when I started to look at some of the virologists that are also vaccinologists that have been pretty well banned from social media Mm -hmm. um, and started to hear some of their comments. And I thought, this is not going to be good. Mm. And so I was really suspicious from the get go because I've had so many individuals that over the course of my 30 ish years of, of working with the public that have had vaccine related trauma. Right. That I, I, I'm not fond of the concept in general. I actually, I, I really love the concept. I just don't like it in application. Okay, right. I, I get it. <laughs> you know, the, the thought of being able to prevent a disease through, through an inoculation appeals to just about everybody. Mm-hmm. If that's actually what it did and there was no downside to it, I think we would all readily embrace it. Mm-hmm. But, but the fact is there's a, a subset of the population that has really, really bad responses and then there's this bell curve of the population that has adverse responses that they're completely unaware that were related to the thing that they stuck in their body. It's just they started to accept these adverse health changes over time that might have led to autoimmunity, chronic inflammatory states, neurodegenerative states. And they have no idea that it was related to something that they put into themselves, you know, 20, 30 years earlier. Yes. yes. So that was a long winded <laughs> answer to your specific question about when uh, I first started to be concerned with the, the COVID shots, but I hope that answered it. Oh, oh, more than enough. Thank you so much. That that was that was excellent. Thank you so much, doctor. You know, one word. Well, you said a lot that really kind of resonated and, and kind of stuck out to me. One word you used was suspicious. Now, I had conversations with both Dr. Robert Malone as well as Peter McCullough in the past, and they had some interesting thoughts or opinions regarding the vaccine COVID, you know, obviously, you know, you know about a lot of things they say. Um, but one thing they shared with me is that they believe they both said that they believe there was some type of master master plan behind the rollout of the vaccine. Do you kind of align with that as well? Or? I believe that that's true. I, I, I don't have in my pocket enough, uh, damning evidence to substantiate that belief, but I've seen enough, evidence from multiple different sources that show that this thing has the construct of having been engineered. Mm -hmm. And we see patents in place from multiple companies that show that they already had in place portions of what was found within this thing on the books that 
they were ready to make a vaccine or or a remedy for it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got enough whistleblowers coming from those industries that are basically saying the exact same thing. And we have some really, really smart virologists and vaccinologists that have spoken out and blatantly stated that, hey, this looks too fishy to be a coincidence. Yes. And even if it was a coincidence, if we were all actually applying scientific principles, we never would have introduced it in this time frame in mass because that's going to produce an inflammatory state 18 to 36 months down the line which is what we're living with right now, where we're seeing so many people dealing with vascular inflammatory conditions, neuroinflammatory conditions, uh, myocarditis as a byproduct of those two states as well, and Mm -hmm. a whole litany of neuroendocrine issues. I see it with my female patients, male patients, but females really got hit hard. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know on my wife's side, uh, a couple of females, unfortunately, in, in her family, on her side, passed after getting the vax, like very soon after. Now, they were up in age. They were yeah. maybe 60s, 70s, but yeah, they, they just couldn't couldn't handle it. They had a very, very bad reaction, obviously. Now, let's let's stay the course. Let's let's stay on that path, right? You know, if, if this is something that was, uh, you know, a master plan by the quote unquote powers that be, I think a, a big question that a lot of people want answered. And, and I don't, you know, expect you to have the answers. Would love your opinion though, is the big why, right? I've, I've had conversations with people regarding um, money grab for big pharma. I've had people, uh, conversations with people regarding it being um, population control. You know, uh, what are your thoughts on the big why? Why would, if it is a master plan where this virus was created in the lab, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, I saw recently within the last week or two, former director of the CDC, he was, I think he was testifying or giving, giving some type of testimony in front of a board or a panel. And he did say that from what he knows and what he saw that it was created in a lab. Do, do you? Yeah, he, he said that. that. Yeah, I did yeah, see that. Yeah. And the, the number of times that, um, Fauci has had to backpedal and change his story would certainly corroborate that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Somebody in that state of power shouldn't have to reframe the context of their verbiage that many times to uh, appease the media and the, the the changing narrative so that, you know, the mindless masses that are listening to it say, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, that, if chasing the dollars as well has really substantiated that, oh, well, there's never not been some funding going that direction from the United States through this entity, although Mm -hmm. the the hands and the names associated with those dollars might have changed, still came from us, went to Wuhan. Exactly. That was produced. And then we've got connections with, you know, universities here in the U.S. with uh, Chapel Hill and other areas where, um, they've been doing gain of function research and just calling it other things. And then you you got Pfizer actually saying the very same thing, not not (laughs) them, but some of their whistleblowers that, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, this is something that we do and we do it so that we can create a vaccine for the very thing that we're creating. It's a perfect (laughs) business plan. Yes. Right. That, that wasn't your, your fundamental question though. Your, your question was why would this happen? And I, I don't think that a rational mind can actually understand the why, because I, I I don't think it's as linear as a company wanted to make more money or mm. a really elite group wanted fewer people on the planet. Although I do think that those two things are real. I, I don't dispute that. Okay. But I, I think it's deeper than that, more in, in a spiritual sense and wherever your listeners are in that sense, I, I, I I personally believe that we we have a supreme creator and that we have a purpose here and I believe that there's a difference between good and evil and I think this is one of those delineating times where we're just seeing raw evil mm. and evil doesn't have an explanation it's just evil 
Right. And wow. It, wow. It's, I, I think we're dealing with the destroyer in that sense. And I think we're trying to apply logic to that. And the, the more that we do that, the more we get um, potentially pacified or, or placated into some state of acceptance and mm-hmm. it just leads us down that that line further where we're going to deal with more insults so essentially so the, they want us to apply that logic right so we avoid knowing what you just said or discovering what you just said because i can tell you what here on the hidden gateway podcast we we were all about what you said man um myself as well as a lot of my audience probably the majority of my audience we believe that it's definitely a spiritual warfare going on, right? So you're, you're definitely talking my language, doctor, for sure. All right. Well, we're in agreement then. That, that's, that, I believe, is what we're dealing with. We've got, I believe that you can see that spiritual light in people's eyes. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that when an individual has allowed that to be snuffed out of them to a certain extent or suppressed, their demeanor changes. And I I see that in many of these individuals who are in positions of either political or industrial power, there's not a lot of light in their eyes. And however they got there, they are they are the entity that we collectively on this other side are working against. Mm. Right. 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 And, you know, I'm working in the neurometabolic realm of trying to save this body, which houses this spirit. And I believe it's an important work because we got to get through this life intact. And I believe one of our fundamental goals here in life is to find joy and to share that joy with other people. And that is essentially the antithesis of what evil wants. Yeah. Right. Well said. Well said. I'm curious to know, doctor, what has been the impact on your professional career career? Right. Um, you know, I, I know you're aware of many doctors that have lost friends, patients, and even in some cases their licenses. Has, has there been an impact for you personally in that regard? Yes, and yes and no. Mm-hmm. The yes is we've had to change the way we do things, and okay. I've had to be cautious in my my verbiage so if you see me pausing (laughs) when when i'm about to speak it's usually me just double checking my words because i've gotten so conscious of the need to do that when i make youtube videos Mm -hmm. um i've had a number of videos that have been censored during this period of time and strikes put against me to the point where if I had one more, then I'd lose my channel. And I'm like, okay, this is one way that I can convey information that I deem to be helpful to, to both patients and non-patients. And we, we have a, a growing list. There's about 12 and a half thousand people that, that follow my YouTube channel. And I get thank yous from literally all over the planet for some of the information that we're sharing. And, and that's honestly why I got into what I do. I, I, I love helping people. And that at the end of the day, that's what feeds me. I, I, I mean, I, I have to put a roof over my family's head and, and put food on the table and, and put my kids through school and, 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 you know, those types of things. But um, if you, if I didn't know that I was bettering somebody else's life at the end of the day, I'd feel unfulfilled. And so that's why I I do what I do. And the concern over being censored or limited in being able to help other people, that has been one of the major things that has impacted me during this period of time. But there's been several points where I've just gotten to the the edge of that cliff. And I've just said, what the heck, you know, I, I, I have to share this. And if it means that somebody's going to come knock on my door and threaten my license, so be it, I'll go find something else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there are other ways to continue the, the doctoring process, um, but it's not convenient without a license. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so we, we've we've had the, uh, the the local county health board come through in the beginning and um, kind of give us some threats on on masking and things like that. That we we said, well, that, that's nonsense. Why why would I try and hide from a virus? Because this paper sheet is supposed to prevent that. You you and I both know that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And to demand that everybody here in the office applies the same medical procedure on everyone, regardless of knowing their state of health, whether they're an asthmatic or they have emphysema or, you know, other states of respiratory distress, and you want me to mask them up? Am I going to monitor all their O2 sats and perfusion all day long too? What else would you like me to do? So (laughs) basically when they came in, he said, oh, well, I appreciate you coming in. I appreciate your concern. Um, But until you can show that that's actually a law that's imposable relative to us practicing here in our license, you know, here's the door. Mm -hmm. And each time that that happened, because you can't produce a law because there never was one, a mandate is not a law. They they went away. And I, I, I tried to share that with other practitioners and a number of them realized that, Oh, really? That's a mandate. Isn't a law. And even if it was, you know, I, I, I fundamentally believe that we are obligated to uphold the law, but we're not obligated to uphold bad laws. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's and right. We, we, we shouldn't be accepting of anything that gets rammed down our throat if everything in our being says that's bad. That's where we have to say, no, I, I'm not going to accept that. Here's my reasons for that until you can prove that I'm wrong and that I'm actually causing harm to somebody else. Because from what I can see and longitudinally looking at the history of what we've done, we've helped a lot of people. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. You know, one thing that's been a lot of talk, I know I've received a lot of emails regarding it and there's there's been some talk over maybe the last couple months here is vaccine shedding right and i think a lot of people there's a lot of great concern regarding that right so it's legitimate yeah so it is legitimate i was going to ask you what are your your thoughts on that based off your research so this is something that is is happening these people receive these vaccines and there's this shedding going on right yeah so we started to see that almost immediately after people started receiving the shots. And it first came to my attention through split families where the husband, because of their work situation, succumbed to pressure, received the shot, and then family members started to manifest the symptoms in concert with the individual that received the shot. Mm. Different symptoms. So like the husband would get it and they'd either have no symptoms and there was a subset that had nothing right out of the gate. And then around the second shot is when many of those started to manifest inflammatory cascades, whether it be neurovascular or cardiovascular or otherwise. But the, the number one thing that I saw was the spouse of the, the man that received the shot would end up having dysmenorrhea or nonstop menstrual bleeding. I had multiple cases where from within days of their husband's shot, they started bleeding and they wouldn't stop bleeding for months. I had one lady, she bled for nine months. Oh my goodness. So that, that was one thing. And then when I started to share that with some of my colleagues and ask around and I started to see reports coming in, the, the latest report that I saw showed that bleeding disorders in females post-shot Increased by in excess of eight thousand percent. Eight thousand percent. Eight thousand percent. Yeah. Jeez. And you're like, okay, that's never happened in the history of man. And if we can't draw that as a cause and effect, and the wildest thing at that time was that it was manifesting in so many women who hadn't even received the shot. And so that was where it came to my mind and many others that wow, you know, this stuff is coming out of the body and showing up in them. So then we actually started to look microscopically at blood samples and we started to, and, and I've been looking at blood samples for most of my career um, in Darkfield. And 
you know, you get pretty comfortable with looking at blood on a slide and you know what's normal and what's not. And you, you can identify, you know, platelets, red blood cells, white blood cells, the different shapes that red blood cells might take on relative to B12, folate and um, electrical potential. And, and there, there's a variety of things that you could determine about an individual's health by looking at blood or infer about them really can't make a definitive diagnosis um, all the time, but you certainly get a lot of inference. Well, these artifacts started showing up. I mean, things that I'd never seen before mm -hmm. that looked like land masses in the middle of a field of red blood cells. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what the heck is that? Did we change our procedure here in the room? Are we getting dirt on the lens. Hmm. And so we clean everything out, clean off the lens, get some fresh slides, get some fresh cover slips, start all over again, get the blood again. No, nope, there it is again. And then we start seeing that in patient after patient after patient. I was able to catalog 75 patients that, and, and I also associated it with their, their shot. So I'd get their lot number and I'd take pictures of the their blood on the slide and then associate that with a lot and then we would go back into the um, bears database and uh, associate that with any risk factors and you started to see that there was this almost rolling pattern of some shots regardless of being moderna or pfizer that had a, a much higher incidence of adverse events. And those also tended to be the ones where we would see artifact in there. And now we know, you know, multiple years later, that quality control in these shots was poor at best. Right. And the, the, the purity process varied from vial to vial, so much so that, you know, Japan turned away millions and millions of vials because they said, no, this has got metal in it. And I, I don't believe I was seeing metal at first. I was wondering if it was graphene because we had those reports from Italy, but I, I shared some of my pictures with like Dr. Cole and a couple of other pathologists and said, what do you think this is? And, and one guy says, oh, it's just artifact from the air. Mm. And I said, mm. okay, well, that's interesting because I've had this microscope and everything in the same room for the last X amount of years, we have the same procedure that we go through and we've never seen this before. And now I see it in this population and not in other people. So I said, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to disagree with your opinion. I, it's an artifact. We'll both agree at that, but I don't think it's coming from the air. And then um, Dr. Cole, he said, no, this is exactly what we're seeing in patients' blood post-vax. And he wasn't sure what it was either, but then, you know, he did his report uh, with uh, Dale Bigtree and, and showed that this was a form of basically cholesterol amyloid and, and fibrin. And so it was making these um, almost plastic like clot configurations that would be many, many times the size of a normal red blood cell. And what I saw and have multiple slides of is where this stuff would reconfigure into a matrix that appeared like rope or twine. Mm. And this explains why, you know, morticians were able to, and are able to pull this stuff out of vessels yes. where it's actually occluding them. I've seen that. Absolutely. So that's the graphene oxide causing that, right? Well, so that's, we thought it was graphene, but it, it appears to be, when he ran through his own study, and I, I can't say whether it is or it isn't, I can tell you it's not human, but it has parts of us. So it has some nature of lipids, and then it has this nature that is atypical to lipids because you can't break it up well. And it's creating structures within what we can see visually that have never been there before in any slide that I've observed. And I believe that it's got to be the same type of stuff that is associated with individuals who are experiencing, you know, sudden death. Yes. Yes. It's been a lot we, of that. 
when we do blood tests on individuals and we're looking for like CRPHS, which is an inflammatory marker released by damaged blood vessels, or we're looking for troponin, which is uh, an enzyme that's released out of heart muscle when it's starting to get damaged, or we're looking at D-dimer, which is a marker associated with vessels that are experiencing microscopic clotting. Mm. And we don't see any of that. If, if somebody's clean and they're still showing some of these vascular issues, and I can see that they have this stuff on the slide, if I test fibrin, fibrinogen, which is just the stuff that makes, like if you cut yourself and you get that uh, little serous fluid come out and, and you rub your fingers together and it's kind of sticky, right. that's, yeah. that stickiness is fibrin. Okay. And that's what it's one of the first things that the body releases when there's a trauma to allow for a scab to form and to stop the blood flow. Well, many of these people have so much of that in their system that it's allowing for platelet aggregation where the, the red blood cells are getting all clumped together. And then in those clumps, they're getting these matrices of the or matrices of of this other substance and. Uh, Dr. Cole was referring to it as, as an amyloid like substance, um, okay. which is reasonable. Um, whatever it is, shouldn't be there. It's there now. It's there in individuals that took the shot. And to your point, it's there also in people that didn't necessarily receive the shot. Right. So oh. I've been around enough of these patients and I've been checking my own blood and I've actually found some of this in me. And I'm like, wow. okay, I never received any of these. Why is it there? And so I started right. to look at many of my non-shot patients. And it doesn't make the whole ropey thing. So I think there's something to the repetitive nature of the mRNA reproducing the, the spike proteins in these folks <laughs> where their body always has to deal with this persistent new state of inflammatory products being made. But in individuals that either acquired... COVID naturally just in the course of their day, which was myself and never took the shot. Mm-hmm. I, I think our body has the capacity to absorb this stuff because, you know, just like a, a virus, if somebody coughs or sneezes or, or they're in a, a viral flare, it can come out of their skin through their sweat. And, and I handle bodies, you know, I'm, I'm touching people's necks and arms and torsos and, um, they, they come into my, my airspace and uh, there's no masking that can hide from a virus. It's mm-hmm. too many microns mm-hmm. small. It'll just go through yeah. everything. Right. So right. We, we absorb that. And if our immune system isn't knocking it out immediately or um, being able to eliminate it promptly, it gets into the circulatory system and then mm-hmm. you can start to see it. So, yes, shedding is real. It has a a definitive impact. There are ways to look for it. And we've actually identified some ways to deal with it. And so I've been using a lot of um, enzymes to denature this stuff out of the circulatory system. And there's actually been multiple studies on this now using natokinase. Okay. And there's three enzymes that I really like for that. Natokinase, lumbrokinase, and serapeptidase. And so I, I use that all day long with as many people as who will take it because it seems to be denaturing things. And then two binders that I like to, to grab it and remove it as it's getting denatured. I love using N-acetylcysteine and I love using pectisol, uh, which is a, a citrus pectin, a bioflavonoid type family that can cross the blood brain barrier and it adsorbs things that shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, a backpacker that's putting rocks in their backpack and they'll take it off the mountain for you. Um, so I like using these enzymes. I like using the binders. Um, and then there's a whole litany of other health principles that we teach people about, but those would be some core things that I I would do for anyone who is concerned or manifesting symptoms of having been exposed and is experiencing shedder type inflammation. Okay, so the NAC is still readily available because if I'm not mistaken, maybe a year or so ago, I think they tried to pull it off the market because I know it wasn't available at various uh, vitamin uh, outlets and Amazon, but it's 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 available though, you're saying, right? Yeah, so N-acetylcysteine, uh, right at the peak of all of this conversation, and the, the timing was too perfect to be a coincidence because it's really effective. It really helps along with like uh, quercetin and zinc, similar to ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine 
to deal with viral entry into cells. Well, N-acetylcysteine turns right into glutathione. So glutathione and mm. vitamin D are two key immune modulators that help to keep your T cells on alert. Mm -hmm. And the, the glutathione kind of like N-acetylcysteine is not only an anti-inflammatory immune stimulating agent, but it's also a binder and it, it'll grab stuff okay. as well and pull it out of the body. Okay. So NAC is a wonderful tool because it works both as a mucolytic agent. It'll reduce inflammation and mucus in the upper respiratory tract, which was a huge problem for COVID. You know, so many right. people couldn't get the mucus out of them. NAC does that. Um, and then it turns into glutath glutathione as its own natural byproduct. So you, you get a twofer every time you take NAC. And the, o the only people that don't do that well are the ones that genetically can't convert cysteine into glutathione. And that is a subset of the population, but you're still going to get the initial benefit of cutting mucus. So there's no downside to it. Um, yes, the FDA did um, kind of do some saber rattling relative to uh, pulling it off of the market to, all the way to the point where they actually issued some, some warning letters. Um, there was enough public outcry uh, basically trying to uh, enforce the, the Deshaies Act, you know, back in the, the mid-90s or late 80s, early 90s, there, there was a, a congressional act that grandfathered supplements. And any supplement that was already in use was not going to be attacked by the FDA. Well, somebody in the FDA found literally, I think it was on the back of a napkin, some comment about a pharmaceutical application for N-acetylcysteine dated back to the 40s or 50s. Wow. <laughs> and they said, well, this one does, shouldn't be grandfathered. And, and it, that, that napkin showed up a year and a half ago <laughs> mm. as, you know, was that a coincidence? I don't think so. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> but there was enough grandfathered use of the amino acid cysteine in healthcare applications that weren't uh, cause and effect associated. And that, that's really the FDA's issue. Okay. Uh, actually, I don't know what their issues are, uh, but <laughs> I that, love it. That, that, that's, that's one of the things that they'll say is you, you can't make a drug claim for a nutritional product. And, and I, I get that. Okay. So the letter that they just released, I think it was within the last 60 days, um, was as long as N-acetylcysteine isn't listed as being a treatment for XYZ, it's allowable to be sold. Oh, Lord. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, what's the point? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All right, so all right. I, I know Amazon, you know, they have their own bots that kind of go through to look at anybody's marketing uh, verbiage. Uh -huh. And if somebody has uh, in their marketing verbiage that this product contains N-acetylcysteine and this product is going to do X, Y, Z, yeah. it's, it's going to get lit up and pulled from sales. Gotcha. gotcha but if gotcha. the distributor doesn't, if they're careful with their wording, they should be fine. Should be fine. All right. Yeah. When, when that happened, I actually called, I, I have a couple of different companies that, that make supplements for us. And as soon as I saw that happen, I said, hey, I want you to buy several kilos of NAC and just hold it for me. There you go. I know, right? <laughs> Goodness gracious. Dealing with some crazy stuff nowadays. That's great information. You know, I receive a, a, a lot of emails from people regarding long COVID, you know, a lot. This is, people, yeah. this is something that people experience, including myself. And I actually uh, found a remedy that's been working very, very well for me over the last couple months. So the, the supplements that you just mentioned, would you recommend those for people with long COVID? Is, is that standard? Say you got a patient that comes into your office. Hey, I, you know, was diagnosed with COVID at some point, but, you know, this, these symptoms won't go away. I'm feeling better, but, you know, every so often I get these symptoms that come and go. Yeah, there's um, a variety of areas that long COVID is presenting with people. Uh, for some folks who came to the COVID table with a backstory of heavy viral load, for example, like maybe the, maybe Epstein-Barr knocked them out as a teenager. Okay. You know, Epstein-Barr never goes away. You'll always carry that viral load. 
And so many of those types of patients are coming in and they're saying, hey, my Epstein-Barr has been fully reactivated. And so I'll look at their blood labs and you could tell if a virus has been reactivated because the, the antibody type is indicative of an active state or a latent state. So mm. IgG is a memory immune marker. IgM is an immune marker of an active infection. However, something to keep in mind is that our immune system is innately really intelligent. And all of these IgG markers, whether it be for EBV, uh, strep, um, any, you know, EBV actually is one of the herpes strains, but any one of the other human herpes viruses, cytomegalo, parvo, all of these viruses that cross our blood-brain barrier and kind of increase our viral load, with every new virus that you're exposed to, the IgG antibodies for those old viruses should stand up when that new virus comes in and say, oh, is it for us? Okay. And so you'll see this spike in IgG activity because the body's immune system collectively is responding to see if they need to be helping out and helping to activate other tiers of immune response. Okay. But if IgM is still low, that's not the virus you're looking for. Oh. So I help people to understand that, okay, yes, your Epstein-Barr, in a sense, became more active, but it wasn't Epstein-Barr. It was just your immune system's response to this new virus. And anytime you have a lot of lymphocytic activity going one direction, you're going to feel crummy right, because right. That, that's, that's a inflammation to the system. And inflammation is just that, you know, it, it hurts. It, it makes you feel crummy. It fogs out your brain. It makes your joints achy. It makes you run slower. Your mental processes lag. So um, these long COVID folks, some of them are coming in with heavy viral presentation from things that uh, are contributed from their, their past history. Other folks are dealing with endocrine disorders where they can't get their menses right or they're trying to conceive and it's like somebody threw a monkey wrench into that machinery. Um, and then we've got these folks that have the respiratory cardio issues because there's tons of cases of myocarditis yes, and, and many cases of uh, pulmonary inflammation as well. And then you've got one other group of folks that are coming in with structural pain. Like they just hurt. So, Oh, you know, there's one other, there's the neurological side because I've got some patients that are coming in that are, whether it was, and most of these are from the shot where, and, and I'm going to go ahead and say that, that where mm. they have like Guillain-Barre where they, mm. you know, they, they've damaged their nerves so much that their feet are on fire or they can't feel them anymore. Mm. Um, or it's reactivated MS, um, or demyelinating symptoms related to ALS. Um, and then the, the saddest one are, are our cancer patients where they were in complete remission and now suddenly it's stage four. Oh, really? So I, hadn't just know, like, I didn't know like, about that. Like overnight. Um, and on those, looking at, at pathological slides relative to cancers, I was really interested in this one when I saw like, five patients come in in a row where they were, they were dealing with cancer and they, they had been fine previously. Um, and they have a specific stain for spike protein. And mm. so when they take that tissue sample to confirm that they're actually looking at cancerous cells in those patients, you'll see spike protein embedded all throughout these cancer cells. Wow. Wow. So wow, that, wow. That it, it's, it's having a burden on people's immune systems collectively, and it's creating inflammation universally. And how it presents is not going to be consistent among the population. But those are the categories that are common. See, and that's the thing that gets me, Dr. Marquise. You know, everything you just explained, but yet and still, you have so many physicians still pushing for the vaccine, giving their patients shots day in and day out. That is just so heartbreaking to me. I mean, don't other doctors see what's going on with the sharp spike and heart attacks and other issues? 
with people, especially young people. I mean, it's like every week or every other week you hear about all these athletes having heart attacks, dropping dead. It's the the well-known one with the the player that played with uh, plays for Buffalo Bills. I think what's his name, yeah. Hamlin. You see a lot of soccer players in every young yeah. people, high school kids. Yeah. I mean, it's like, come on. So you know how I, I said right at the beginning of the shutdown, I had some colleagues reach out and literally one said, Dave, you've got to close your office. And I said, no, I'm not going to close my office. I appreciate the call, but this is when we're supposed to shine. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly believe in, in you know, I, I referenced spiritual things earlier. Right. I don't think my colleagues are bad or evil. Uh-huh. I, I think they're weak. Ooh, okay. I, I, I think that what we're seeing is a fulfillment of the, that scriptural verbiage where it says, and in the last days, men's hearts will fail them. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So I, I think there's a, huh. a figurative part of that where we're becoming weak of heart. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a literal part of that where we've allowed the evil of the day to be put into us and it's actually causing a structural inflammation in the heart. Okay. 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 I follow. And that's, that's very unfortunate because I, and I think a lot, well, I should say this. I think a lot of it is fear-based, right? I mean, thank God for physicians like yourself who, regardless of what's going on when it comes to money and security of, of family and personal self, you speak up and speak out and you stand in your truth, right? Because you care and you want to do what's right. And you're not controlled by the matrix per se, right? Yeah. You're like, you know, you're a true spiritual warrior that is out here helping people and doing what's right. And I mean, that's to be applauded a million times over. Well, thank you. Thank you, Justin. There's, there's one thing that you, you you gave it to me as a compliment, but I'd like to modify what you just said because you, you you use the phrase "your truth," and and that that phrase, I, I think that we say it with good intentions, but I believe that there's just one truth, and I think we should all be seeking that truth. I I, I think that when we when we embody the concept or share the concept that one person's truth might be different than another person's truth, that doesn't leave the possibility for an absolute truth. Okay. And kind of like, I can't repeal the law of gravity. I can't make the sun stop coming up in the morning. There are absolute truths. And I think those types of things are what we should all be seeking for. And I think that there is absolute truth to how this body was put together. I think where that phrase might be appropriately used is each individual is totally unique in how their body is going to get inflamed or break down. And I'm going to have to apply truth in a unique way for them. But when it comes to, standing up for right and wrong, there's no room for a gray area. And I I really think that our, our colleagues, I use the phrase weak and maybe that was mean. I didn't intend it in that sense, but I think that at the end of the day, we all want to be happy. We want to have joy with our family and friends and 99% of the guys and gals that I went through school with to become a doctor wanted to help people. And I've got to believe that the ones that are around me in the system right now still want that, but they are caught in a system where they know if they deviate from that course that they're on, their paycheck's going to get pulled. The carpet's Mm going to get pulled from under them. And that's what I meant by weak. They're, they're not right. willing to take that chance mm-hmm. to stand up for right. Because I, I honestly believe that if enough doctors stood up at the beginning of this whole process and said, hell no, this is wrong. This is not a scientific process that you're trying to employ right here. This is totally bias. This is profit driven. 
there's an aspect to this that we can't explain, and some people are throwing that into the good versus evil category, but whatever it is, it ain't right. Mm-hmm. And if, if people all stood together instead of pointing fingers each direction and looking down while billions of dollars were being passed out to make our county health boards hush-hush and, and literally fund propaganda media campaigns, oh my gosh, my head explodes when I, when I think of the things <laughs> that we, ex- we ac- accepted as okay. And didn't collectively speak out about it. Uh Well, I I, I didn't mean to be rude to you at all about the the, my truth, but I I hope that conveyed what I. No, no, no. You're you're fine. You you yeah. It wasn't rude at all. I I love you know. Obviously, you're a very knowledgeable, very wise man, and you know I love receiving you know different perspectives on things. So you know I learned something from you in, in this moment. So thank you. Right. Thank you for that. that that's Thank very, you. very good. Um, you know, one of the, you know, a few more questions for you, then we're going to wrap things up. You know, I want your thoughts on this and just kind of, if you could explain to me as well as the audience, what this is all about. So I recently saw that the um, World Health Organization director stated that countries will begin negotiations of a zero draft of a new pandemic accord, essentially giving the WHO authority over U.S. pandemic policies. I mean, talk about a power move and attempt to have more control over people. Yeah. That, I mean, come on. <laughs> like, this is what we have to look forward to, huh? So th- this goes into kind of what we've been talking about all along about the, the ethereal um, they. Yeah. And, and the why. Hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just, just speaking, Doctor. Hey, I tell you what, this isn't going on YouTube, and I want you to be your <laughs> authentic self here. This is going on streaming platforms, so you know, feel free to to say what you want to say. We're, we're no no banding over here, man. So, I really believe that this evil is permeating all aspects of our society, and I, I think that what we've collectively have seen in just this last week in the financial markets, yeah, is yeah. is the next phase. Okay. And I think having seen even test runs on financial stressors on the market a year ago and them suggesting that that would happen this year, you know, we're, we're all bracing for it. Okay. Well, what's it going to be? Uh-huh. Um, and then to see the, the fed, which has nothing to do with any government entity, mm-hmm. um, come out and say that, Oh, you know, everybody's money in the bank is going to be okay because the fed has an infinite money supply. <laughs> okay. So they, they've got a printing press and then they reach out and these banks that have been basically a, an ATM for corruption for social media companies to, finance campaigns and in this big circular process of let's make sure that misinformation is properly funded and keep reaching out to uh, groups of individuals that would be accepting of uh, moral degeneracy mm-hmm. and and let, let's try and move move the line of acceptance as far away as, as we can towards things that uh, even a year ago would have been accepted as blatant evil, but now we're going to embrace that. I, I see the, this funding and what they're not calling a bailout, but it's obviously a bailout when you've got um, major banks saying that the Fed has promised to back them to the tune of roughly $2 trillion. Well, we've got this huge shift in the housing market right now that has taken the average home out of reach of individuals. Mm -hmm. And then you've got, I know this might sound scattered, but it is linear in my mind. You've got the World Economic Forum, who is in bed with the WHO, saying by 2030, you're not going to own anything and you're going to be happy. I saw that. They had their meeting recently, their annual meeting recently. Yeah. yeah. Well, to make that happen, you got to take a lot of stuff away from a lot of people. 
Yeah. And so you got to make it financially impossible for people to hold on to their stuff. Mm. And you got to pick the group of people that's going to allow you to facilitate that end. Mm-hmm. Well, if we can manipulate our banking system such that it looks like the banks, hey, you know what? We just took some bad losses because we invested into T-bills at 1% and now the treasury rates are up at 4%. And so we took a loss and you didn't have to pull your money out. We really would have been okay because we're FDIC insured. I, I see those types of things as here, look over here while we do this over here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and one of the things that I think that would allow is for those banks now who are getting bailed out after misusing the money the first time to go back in and start buying up homes in bulk like they were before so they can start renting to the masses as they said they were going to do. Mm. So I I see a fulfillment of the very things that the WEF has said that they were going to do and creating a universal health watchdog in the who makes total logical sense Mm. that they have to have somebody that's going to manage the money side of things and want somebody that's going to manage the healthcare side of things. Mm -hmm. Because if you've got somebody's health and you've got their money, you own them. You own them totally. You have their life in full control. Yes. So yes, I, I, I think that we have a lot of corrupt politicians that have sold us out as a people And they're hoping that they can transfer our autonomy here as a, as a Republic. Mm -hmm. And most people have forgotten that we're not a democracy. We're a Republic Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we don't have a Supreme leader that can just sign our rights away. We have this (laughs) wonderful thing called a constitution Mm -hmm. and We've gone through three generations of students that have not been taught the Constitution. Wow, so true. And so the very thing that can save us as a country from something like the who stepping in to being the omnipotent healthcare director is that document. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I really think our Congress and Senate, they should it should be mandatory reading for them every night before they go to bed. <laughs> right because that's the very thing that they promised to, to uphold and most of them i think are using it for toilet paper right now greed corrupt and evil yes yeah. Oof. goodness so yeah I, I think that the who is trying to make that that move and i think that our government is trying to give them permission but even if they do give them permission, that's non-constitutional there, there's not a pathway that we the people have to be accepting of that only if in our ignorance we don't stand up for what our actual rights are. And that's the thing, right? You stand up, I stand up, but there are so many people yeah. in this country that do well, not stand up. They just, okay, and they just go with the flow. Yeah. And that's Justin, unfortunate. We, we are brothers and we have to stick together and get that word out to more people. Yes, because sir. I honestly believe that every single individual on this planet is a brother and a sister, and we share that same spiritual light in us. And when people hear truth, they recognize it. They might not like it, because if their (laughs) current trajectory is opposite of what we're talking about, it's going to rile them up and they're going to get angry about it. But that's okay. They still recognize truth. Mm. And then those people that are on the fence that don't know what direction to go, they're going to realize that, oh, there is another option. And hopefully that spirit can talk to their heart and they can become educated and come into that fold of brotherhood and sisterhood and start working together. I, 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 I firmly believe that we can turn this thing around I if more conversations like this happen collectively. Yes. Yes, sir. I believe too. That that's awesome. Absolutely beautiful. Thanks so much, Doctor Marquise. You know, I have one last question for you, sir. This is something I ask each and every guest that appears on the Hidden Gateway podcast, and that is to leave our audience with what I like to call the token of love—something that they can take forward with them in their journey. I mean, you said so much over the last hour or so, but if you had, would like to leave one final thought, one one final piece of knowledge or wisdom 
with our audience, what would that be? Never live in fear. Oh, wow. <laughs> Don't My ever make a lot about, decisions yes. based on fear. Yes. Wow. So if you're feeling fear, don't make a decision right then. Get into a different headspace so that you can make a appropriate, logical, light-driven decision. Mm. Whatever that looks like to you to get to that space. Because there's always a better answer. We don't have to be driven by fear. Wow. That is, that. I mean, I tell you what, that resonates to the 10th power, my friend. It really does. And, you know, I say that because we talk a lot, I mean, a lot about that here on the Hidden Gateway podcast, overcoming fear, working through fear. Because as I always say, and my audience has heard this from me a million times, God places the very best things in life on the other side of fear. He really, really does. And Dr. Marquise, thank you so much. This has been a phenomenal conversation. I absolutely love what you're doing. I love what you said today. And thank you for doing what you do for humanity. You're a special man with a special gift doing the Father's work. And thank you for that. We all thank, thank you for you, that. Thank you, Justin. Would you take a quick minute to tell our audience where they can find you, websites or anything else where they can get in contact with you or where they can Absolutely. learn more about you? Yeah, you know, if, if anybody needs information about the things that we've been talking about, please do visit my website. It's pathwaystohealth.net or drdavidmarquis.com. It'll take you to the same place. Our office number here is 805-295-6750. I put out, I try to produce an educational video at least twice a month, sometimes a little bit more than that. So if you subscribe to my YouTube channel, you'll start to receive those. And once or twice a month, I try to do an informative newsletter. Awesome. Very good. Well, you heard the man, good people. Go to the website, hit him up. He has a phenomenal newsletter. You'll receive that. You'll learn more. You know, never stop educating yourself. Know what's going on in this world we live in. And let's continue to fight the evils, fight the good fight. We are equipped. We are able, definitely capable. So let's do it. And I really hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Hidden Gateway Podcast as much as I did. As always, please remember to stay connected with us at thehiddengateway.com. If you want to reach out like a lot of you do, shoot us an email at support at thehiddengateway.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. Now, this will conclude this episode, this week's episode of thehiddengateway.com. Until next time, stay positive, stay questioning, be love, and be free. The Hidden Gateway, out.